Hi, welcome to church today. The message you're about to listen to came from a recent gathering at our church. Be encouraged as you enjoy this message. I know how to quote unquote fight the good fight of faith, but nevertheless it's a fight. And when you're in a fight, you get weary. You just do. Because again, when you're sitting there and you're looking at the situation, you know, I'm two feet from her 24-7. And uh, uh, it's just, uh, you know, you get rocked. Um, but, you know, and all I am a man of the Word of God. I don't say that to get pat on the back. It's just I don't know anything else other than God and His love and His, and His Word. And so I have no other place to go. Like I tell people, there's no place to go to for me but the Word, but the Scriptures, but God Almighty, because He's the God of all grace and mercy. But if that wasn't enough, two Sundays ago, I think it was two, it might have been three, but I think it was two Sundays ago, I... I was sitting at home because, you know, I don't come to church every Sunday now because of Julie. So I please, I hope you don't feel bad or ill of me because of that. But I live for these one minute little moments when she's lucid where I can just, you know, and I'm always hopeful. I have those moments with her. But uh, has anybody ever had a text from the bank that somebody's tried to, you know, use your debit card or something? Yeah, yeah. And you call the bank up and they say, okay, well, we're going to have to cancel your car and another one will be out in five days, something like that. Well, I've had that happen to me probably five times in the last seven years. I have no idea why. I'm very careful. I'm not dumb. I'm a pretty IT literate and all this kind of good stuff. Uh, two or three Sundays ago, I get this text. I'm sitting at home. It was 11.15, 11.15 in the morning. I get this text from Lloyd's Bank. It said, long story short, somebody's trying to make a purchase from Sony for 1,607 pounds and something like that. If this wasn't you, please call this number. And uh, so I called the number. Mistake. Um, I've learned so much since. Long and short of it is, I call this number, and uh, this guy starts talking to me, and the long, it was a two and one half hour conversation. Think about two and a half hours of talk non-stop talk from these people talking to me about, okay, well, evidently you've been, this is a higher level of, of uh, some kind of something's happened. Mr. Anderson, we have to do this. We need to do this. We need to do this. And I mean, it was the most sophisticated, the later of the guy. Anyhow, I got scammed. Um, out of, they took, well, put it, I had received a, a, a a lump sum from America from uh, my pension from working over there years ago and so like long story short I had about 21,500 pounds because I had a lot I had to put extra away for taxes that were going to come due this July you know on um, the lump sum that came from America blah 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 they left me one pound I had 21,400 pounds you know gone and and boom just like that instantly uh, I went, you know, the shame, I felt the shame, because I'm not a dummy, you know. I felt the embarrassment. And I called uh, the real Lloyds instantly when they showed me a couple, they showed me one thing. The major mistake I made is on the text at the top when you get a text, if it is a mobile number, do not answer it. Do not deal with it. But anyhow, the guy begins to talk to me from Lloyd's. They send me to one level and a higher level than the senior level of Lloyd's as far as investigations. And they said, this is a brand new scam system 
that is being run, they said, by the highest echelon of banking professionals we've ever seen in all of banking history. They said these people are so wise in what he called bank talk. And he said they're definitely people that have had deep, high experience in banking. And they, anyhow, you know, like I said, I could whine and cry about it all, but the long story short is I just got totally ripped off. And, you know, and um, it's gone. And um, I'm not saying that to get any sympathy. Like I said, I did email our elders and what have you, and, and uh, I have to embarrass Abby. Abby immediately regarded us, oh, can I send you some money? And I said, no, but she went ahead and sent me, sent me some bucks and what have you. But uh, I said, no, it's all right. I said, on Friday, I'll get paid. I'll have something there. And, you know, and I told my kids. But why I'm saying this is, like I said, it's like I, years and years ago when I was working with people who really walked in the way of the Holy Ghost and the Spirit, one of the things I learned is that um, if you get attacked, as it were, on a multi-frontal level, often that definitely is demonic. What I mean is sometimes you get attacked because you just do something silly, or you get attacked because you were unaware or lack of knowledge or what have you. But when you start getting hit on health, you know, money, and you know, boom, often it's a real sign of demonic issues that are involved, and you have to become aware of that. But I, I, I'm trying to bring this to you this morning simply to say, but you know, God, I, this is the strangest thing. After I hung up with the real Lloyds Bank, that entire time, and I'm not trying, I'm not trying to sound super spiritual because I was deeply hurt. I was ashamed is what it was, you know what I mean? I, I couldn't believe that I got, I couldn't, I just couldn't believe it. But, uh, and only me, I started to laugh. I just started to laugh, and I said, you know what? Don't we all know that, you know, like you've heard us say, but again, this is what I'm trying to say. I am under a lot of pressure now, but everyone in here has been under a lot of pressure, or some of you are under pressure yourselves right now. But you know the old truth, you know, when you're under pressure is what you find out. You, that's when you find out what you truly believe. And that's what's in you, truly in you, engraved on the fleshly tablets of your heart, comes out if it's been engraved, not just considered in the mind. And I, I'm trying to say I give glory to God that he sustained me so strongly. I just said, you know what, Father? And I looked up to heaven and I said, so what? So what? You know, you can't kill me. You know what? You know, somehow, some way, my God, and I know you guys know, I know the scripture, you just, if a thief be found, he can be made to repay seven times, you know. And uh, Deji called me and, you know, spoke some good words to me as well and, and, and spoke, you know, life to me in some situations and said, you know, whatever you do, don't allow yourself to be ashamed and, and uh, go through all this and what have you. But anyhow, so that's what I went through like just two weeks ago, as it were. And I'm not, I've got to be careful because I'm not, I'm trying to get to the point of why I want to share these few very familiar verses with you. It's because in the midst of all that, every, you know, all since this time with my Julie, I think I've shared with you, it's like every seven to ten days he gives me fresh manna that, uh, that is alive to me. You know, it may be super familiar to you, but it's something that just so, it just, it's deep. You know, it's something that I, I just, I don't know, I just take a hold of it and I see it. Like, uh, again, just the last before this one right here, uh, the one before was just, I think I might have shared it when I was here last time, I'm not sure. 
but he just took me to the sole basics of Hebrews 11.1. 1. He said, son, he said, you know, remember, you're a man that knows me. And he said, remember, your faith in me is the title deed that you have this. You have it. You have it. And again, see, we all know the verse, and so it can sound too simple. But like I said, it exploded in me. My faith right now perceives as real fact what I don't yet see in Julian. I don't see it yet. I don't see it yet. And the natural, I see it going the other direction sometimes. But my faith says, no. No. I'm under pressure. But like I said, when you're under pressure is when you really find out is where you're going to dig deep. And I mean, that got so, I don't know, again, like I said, I hesitate because it's so simplistic sounding. But I just realized, I said, no, my faith is the title deed. My faith is the proof that I have what I've asked for because I've come according to your instructions. You know, I know your word, Father. Jesus said, ask and keep on asking. I'm doing that. I'm asking and I'm keeping on asking, but I'm asking in faith. Jesus, you said, I don't have to ask you anything now. You said, whatsoever I ask the Father in your name, he will grant it. Now, Father, you know, I've asked you, and I know it's your will because everywhere Jesus went, he healed the sick. And he said, again, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So that's your will. So I, I thank you. I believe you've granted it. So I have it. I have it. I have it, and I do. I do. But the pressure's there. But I have it. So anyhow, that's, that's, that you know, kept me for several days, what have you, like that. And then the other day, um, he, well, I'm, like I said, my, every morning, my devotions, what have you, I'll just read, let me read from Psalm 50, verses 12 through 15. Thanksgiving is basically where I'm going. But uh, don't yawn and fall asleep, okay? Psalm 50. Uh, this is the Amplified Bible as usual. And this is verse 12 through 15. It says, this is God speaking. He says, if I were hungry, I would not tell you, for the world and its fullness are mine. Shall I eat the flesh of bulls or drink the blood of goats? Offer to God the sacrifice of Thanksgiving. Again, like I said, I've taught these scriptures for, you know, 38 years, 39 years, or long, not longer, 40 years. Well, 40 years here and years before in the States. I've been here 40 years now. That was the last month. But I um, offer to God, and again, it just <clears throat> offer to me the sacrifice of Thanksgiving right now, son, right now, while you're looking at Julie while you're considering the fact that all this money's been stolen from you. Yes, I'm in faith for it to be returned. But I'm just saying, he said, it's really, really important in the midst of this right now when everything can be so dark if you want to look in that direction that you really understand what it means to give me thanks. And he said so strongly to me, he said, 98% of my people still have no revelation of the power of gratitude. The power, what it means to continually give thanks continually. Give thanks continually. So verse 14 said, offer to God the sacrifice of thanksgiving and pay your vows to the Most High and call on me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you. You shall honor and glorify me. I believe that. Okay. I believe that. So this attitude of gratitude really struck me. 
And then, of course, in some, uh, I'll just do you a couple here. There's just a couple of points I'm going to make. I really, really think I may be supernaturally short this morning, for real. I suppose to all the jokes we always have about doing short messages. But in Psalm 116, <coughs> you know, guys, anybody that knows the book of Psalms knows how many scriptures there are about Thanksgiving. But in Psalm 16, you know, I don't even remember where it's at, but it's where it says, whatever, it's where it says, we offer unto God the sacrifice of Thanksgiving. And the only reason I wanted to bring that up again is because you have to comprehend afresh what, if something is a sacrifice, the very fact that it's called a sacrifice means that it brings with it some effort and expense. And it it's, it's costs you something if it is a sacrifice. In other words, and see, again, we know, I, everybody here will nod their head and say, I know this. But you give, we are to give thanks, not because everything is rosy. <laughs> we are to give thanks at all times, in all seasons. It does not say for all things. It says in all things. We are to be grateful, thankful people, Okay. And one, then he just, like I said, he led me in strange ways. Luke 17, 11 through 16. I'll just, you don't have to go there. But that's where the 10 lepers were healed. Remember where the 10 lepers came up and Jesus healed them? He said, go their way, go their way. But the one guy returned. The one guy returned. And Jesus basically said, where are the other nine? And he said, well, basically, I don't know where they're at, but I'm here. And he said, and you, he said, well, you, your faith has made you whole. In other words, the, the consideration of many teachers is that the other nine, while they may have been healed of their leprosy, parts of the body that maybe had been damaged, bruised, or, you know, like fingers would fall off and things like that, noses would be gone, that um, they were healed, but they weren't, quote, fully restored and made whole. But this guy was made whole. But you know what the Lord said to me? It kind of bothered me. He said, think about this, though. He said, nine out of the ten people I healed did not come back and say thank you. Only 10% of the people I did things for actually came and said thank you. And it's like I just heard, is that possible? Could that be possible today? Now, again, here's where you just have to think with me. I mean, how, I think, knowing most of you myself, you know, we've been together a long while, I would say that you all are people who know how to be grateful and thankful. But um, but are we really? I mean, where's, where's the evidence of our gratitude? Where's the evidence of our thanksgiving? Now, again, had I the time and the, and the desire, we could go in all these areas of so just how powerful there's so many scriptures that talk about what's released when we really understand the thanksgiving. i got a one or two, but think about that. Only one came back. Only one was made whole. Only one came back to say thank you for what you did. How often, I mean, we, you have, I woke up this morning. I was thankful. But sometimes, like I said, the last several, last several days, I've been so weird when I wake up. It's, one of, it's, been a, it's been a trial for me to actually wake up. I'm just being honest. It like takes me an hour and a half. I can barely walk in there and brush my teeth and shave, and then I get to the book, get to my chair. <laughs> I'm puffing like an old man. You see, you are an old man. Well, I don't know. 
I guess according to the book, I'm getting old and 75, but you know what? I don't know. But on the inside, like I said, I still feel like this punk 17-year-old kid. But anyhow, I get in that chair with my cup of coffee, and I start my prayers, and I start, you know, and I wait and just take a breath for about 30 minutes and talk to God and, you know, then get into the book and stay there. But uh, anyhow, then and it, 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 it struck me even, this is strange too, but he took me to John 11 where Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. And I just saw, it's like you see things differently when God's Spirit is speaking to you about a topic. Gratitude, thankfulness. What, what else is always very near where there's actual gratitude, where there's actual thankfulness? And he said, do you remember what my son did? When he got up there, he said, he looked to me and he said, I thank you, Lord, that you hear me. He said, he gave me thanks. He said, and the dead were raised. And he just kept saying that. He said, I, hear, I want you to hear me. He gave me thanks and the dead were raised. He gave me thanks and the dead were raised. He said, you must comprehend and begin to grasp the power of your thanksgiving in the midst of situations that seem so desperate, so dark, so horrific, so whatever, you know, so depressing. I mean, these things want to depress you. Trust me. You're looking at somebody that knows what it means to be deeply tempted with depression, you know, over the last several months. But I, by, the, by the grace of God, I can say I've, not, I've, I've given into it a few times, but brother, it, it ain't lasted five minutes. Only, and I can only say that to his grace and glory, just because, I, how do I say this without sounding phony or punky? Well, David wrote me a really nice uh, uh, something yesterday, a text, uh, just a word of encouragement to me. And one of the parts he said is just simply because, you know, you're not going to, whatever, but because you're a man of the words. You're a man, you know, you're a man of, that has the sword. Because I know the book. And again, you guys know I'm not trying to pat myself on the back. But I know the Word of God. I've, my whole life's based on this Word of God. This Word of God delivered me out of the penitentiary, you know, delivered me out of heroin addiction. I was pronounced dead twice. I've been through a lot of stuff. But here I am. You know, I ain't dead yet. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'm not planning on dying anytime soon either. I'm looking forward to... I'm, I just constantly call for the miracles and the signs and wonders to refresh and come to us like I've said each time I've been here. I'm telling you, because of the lost, it's the dinner bell. I want the lost saved. Like I said, you remember I told you weeks back, months back, I just keep seeing the absolute reality of this hell that's reserved for Satan and his angels. My God, I don't want people to go to hell. I just don't want people to go to hell. But like I said, I know it's not going to be your great preaching, my great teaching that's going to get a lot of people saved. They need to see something. But God knows that. This is why we need to boldly and not with, with any sense of shame cry out for miracles. Really, I mean, signs and wonders cry Cry out for them, God. And, and remember this. Listen. You can't bring anything to God. What do you mean by that? God's done everything. You know how easy it is, even if when you know, you know the word. I know the word, as it were. I know, quote, unquote, what Sadly, we sometimes see as equations. I know about faith, the principle of faith. I know what faith is supposed to look like. I know that faith is a substance. Things hoped for, like I just quoted earlier. I, 
I know that, you know, have the God kind of faith, you know, that you believe in your heart and speak with your mouth. That you'll have, Jesus said, you'll have whatsoever you say, just like I have whatsoever I'll say. You can have whatever you say if you do what I do, if you believe in your heart that what you say will come to pass. So I know all those things. But when it comes to, like I said, it's interesting when you're sitting around a situation like me with Julie, or like now, like I said, with this money stuff, what I have you like that. See, you can either cry or you can just walk in Christ. You know what I mean? And you can just say, you know what? No, no. And you look at this and you realize, but what God really began to show me again is I, I, how do I, again, I need to be, well, you guys are going to think what you want to know. I'm adept at knowing how to put scriptures together because it's part of the gift of God that's in me, okay? It just is. It's part of the gift. It's not me. I'm no hot shot, but, you know, the gift that he put in me. But even with that, do you see how subtle it is? By knowing that this is the right thing you should say, and this is what you should do, and this is what, blah, 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 that even that, as it were, can become like, okay, I'm earning now my wife's healing because I'm, I'm doing the right things. Do you hear what I'm trying to say? And see, it's so subtle. And remember, that's like in Hebrew, it says the Word of God is the only thing that can discern the difference between the soul and the spirit. They're so close. They look so close, but one is soulish and one is of the Spirit of God. But they're so close, it's difficult to rightly divide at times the Word of Truth, but it can be rightly divided. But what I'm trying to say is, this is why you have these checkpoints where you must stay in the presence of God and really have that life of prayer and devotion before Him because it's so subtle. Suddenly, your quote-unquote spiritual responses to situations can be a form of thinking, okay, now I've earned, I've earned this. And that's what I mean when I say you can't bring God anything. He's done it all. I'm telling you, He's done it all. I'm getting ahead of myself. Let me keep going. Hallelujah. So he raised Lazarus, Lazarus from the dead, and this Thanksgiving, this Thanksgiving was before restoration. Psalm 69, 30 through 31 <coughs> says this. I will praise the name of God with a song and will magnify him. What's magnify mean? Jason, what's magnify mean? Big bigger you've been. I will praise the name of God's two things, praise with a song and thanksgiving. I will praise the name of God with a song and I will magnify him with thanksgiving. God gets bigger in your life when you are full of thanksgiving. Too simple? That's the problem. Some of us want something difficult so that we can figure it out, so we can award ourselves for being so clever. <laughs> I will praise the name of God with the song and will magnify him with thanksgiving, and it, doing this, thanksgiving and praise unto God, will please the Lord better than an ox or a bullock that has horns and hoofs. Hallelujah. In other words, it's... He says, although, you know, to sacrifice a bullock, that was a huge cost to people in that time. And God's saying here, yeah, you, your thanksgiving to me is for far more than you taking that prized bull of yours and bringing it to me. I'm looking 
to see if you are a grateful people, if you have thanksgiving in your heart. Psalm 100, verse 4, enter into his gates. We all know it, I know. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and a thank offering and into his courts with praise. But this is what hit me. I never saw this part before. Be thankful, but this, be thankful and say so to him. You know, I've been thankful for a long time, but I had to ask myself, how often do I say so? I'm going to ask you the same thing this morning. How often do you actually, with your mouth out loud, tell him what you're thankful for? Be thankful and say so. Like I said, I bet I know most of everybody in here. I think you're all thankful people. But do you say so? And, I, you know, no condemnation, but I would, I, I would bet the greater percentage of us don't. Actually, we just kind of think, well, I'm grateful. But see, there's something that, again, we all talk about it often, about the intentionality of faith. Say so. There's something about saying so. Are you grateful for your husband? I'm looking straight at you. <laughs> you better be. Femi's a good man. Femi's a good man. Wang, are you grateful for Tommy even all with all his carbuncles and warts and stuff? You better be. I know you are, Sammy. You're a good young man. You're grateful for your daddy. Amen. But be thankful and say so to him. Bless and affectionately praise his name. And as simple as that is, he just really pulled me on the wall about that. He said, you don't say you're thankful enough. He said, I want you to say how thankful you are constantly when you're around Julie. He said, when you go, have to go and pay a bill on the bank account now, he said, I want, when you look at what is there, what isn't there, he said, I need you to be thankful and say so. He said, I guarantee you the money's not going to come back if you start sniveling or whining. I fully believe it will come back. I, I do. But you know what? Like I said, it's the funniest thing. I, well, I, what can, I'm, gonna, I'm probably going to sound like I'm trying to be super spiritual. I just, God means more to me than that money. And like I said, he, he, he can supply money. He'll supply money. He'll meet my needs somehow, some way. I don't know. Like, you know. I can sit back and worry and go, oh, my God, what am I going to do in the first week of July when that tax bill happens? Or I can say, here I am. I trust you. You know what I mean? Do you do hear me? I'm not looking at anybody for sympathy. I'm saying whatever you're going through, I want you to have a similar comprehension. You know, God is faithful. Either he is or not, we say he is. At some point in your life, you're going to be tested. I am being really deeply tested right now. But that's Okay. I've been tested before. God's brought me through all kinds of things. We all know what it says in Romans. Hope worketh, hope worketh experience. experience. I mean, you know, an experience worketh hope because hope makes not a shame. You go through something. All of us, you've heard me say this many times, have in some point in our life we found ourselves in the middle of some situation where in the middle of it we saw no way out. I mean, there was no way out. I don't want God, what am I going to do? But somehow you found yourself on the other side one day. You did. That experience works hope. Well, okay, because I will find myself in another thing <coughs> at some point. And you know what? Just like I didn't know how I got out of that one, I don't know how I get out, but I'm going to get out. Like Dr. Cole, remember when I said, he, I used to, when he used to talk, he said the crisis is common to life. Everybody in here has just come out of a crisis or is in a crisis, or guess what? You're about to enter into one. 
because crisis is normal to life. At some point, it happens. It just does. But we've been forewarned by the love of God. Okay? And then he shifted everything with me. And he, again, started talking to me about how much he loved me. And this is probably, it sounds real corny probably to some of you. But you know the scripture he led me to? It just came out of nowhere. He led me to Isaiah 62.5. It says, as the bridegroom rejoices over his bride, so the Lord rejoices over you. Now, don't laugh at me. When I married Julie, and I was still there at the church, thinking about going to our wedding night, <laughs> oh, there's so many in here. You guys are just, I know that you're so unadult, but no. Let me read it again. As the bridegroom rejoices over his bride. Do you know? I wonder how much David Powell rejoiced on his wedding night when he looked at Denise and walked into that room and went, Hey, baby, <laughs> here we are. Well, no, that's not so corny, but what I mean is, but I'm making it silly, forgive me. But think of the passion it's portraying. Because what he said, but see what God's saying. He said, just like a bridegroom who's so deeply, passionately in love with his wife rejoices over his bride, I rejoice over you the very same way. He said that to me. He said that to me. I rejoice over you. I don't care what mistake you made. I rejoice over you. I rejoice over you to the point that it's just like a bridegroom going into his bride. I just sit there and I, like I said, I still ponder that. But I pray we can all catch this. He loves us so deeply. There's nothing that will separate us from the love of God. Nothing. Unless you let it. But this is why when you stay close, you do whatever's necessary, you stay close. You stay tender, you stay before him. And then I haven't read Song of Solomon in years, honestly. And he leads me to this. <clears throat> Song of Solomon, chapter 2, verses 10 through, through 13. This is in the New King James. My beloved spoke. This is God talking to Rod. My beloved spoke and said to me, rise up, my love. See, because I was... Tempted to be down. Rise up, my love, my fair one, and come away. And he like these next verses prophesied over to me. For lo, the winter's past. Hallelujah. The rain is over and gone. The flowers appear on the earth. The time of singing has come. And the voice of the turtle dove is heard in our land. That speaks to the Holy Spirit. The fig tree is putting forth her green figs. And the vines with the tender grapes give a good smell. Rise up, my love, my fair one, and come away. And as corny as that may sound to some of you, you need to let the Lord God speak to you like that. Some of us men can find that incredibly difficult say the least. And that's why it's so difficult for men to really 
be as transparent as they need to be. You need to know how to let him be your bridegroom. And let him say, come, come away with me. Don't worry. Don't worry. The rain's over. It's gone. That's past. Come along with me. The time of singing has come. The smell of flowers is in there. The song of the turtle dove is here. Come on. Rise up. Be strong. Know that you're loved. Know that you will ever, never, 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 never be forsaken. And then my final thoughts, well, almost my final thought, is he, and this is like all my teaching of righteousness again, he, well, you know, I said this earlier, but I, I wrote, this is where I have it now in my notes. Know this, we can't bring God anything. Nothing we do or don't do has anything to do with our standing. Everybody say standing. Nothing, nothing that we do or don't do has anything to do with our standing with God. Romans 5.10 says, For by one man's disobedience, many became sinners. So by one man's obedience, many shall be made righteous. Right? We've been made righteous. He didn't, said, didn't, as it were, say that I live so perfectly uprightly. It says I've been made righteous, and we all know what we've had the teaching. The righteousness, the right standing of God Almighty has been deposited to our spirit by our faith in Jesus Christ. And today we are right with God, not based upon our behavior, but based upon the behavior of Jesus Christ and our faith in him. That's the gospel of what Jesus has done. But it struck me something else that I don't think I ever taught before. You know, in 2 Corinthians 10, when it talks about how we pull down strongholds, we cast down imaginations, right? And we bring into captivity every thought to what? To the obedience of Christ. You know, most people, when you read that, think about that. You bring every thought into obedience. Now, this is important. I want you to catch this. And I've only got two more verses. Wordy. It's only 10 minutes after one if that clock's right. Is that right? Yeah, cool. See, you guys are going to like me. Um, bring every thought into the obedience of Christ. What do you think when you read the word obedience there? What I mean is, well, this is, I'm just going to say it. The word obedience there, in the Greek, there's one that's the verb and there's one that's a noun. A verb is the way they say most Bible teachers will tell you that most people when they read these scriptures interpret the word obedience as a verb. That basically they still somehow see something that we have to do. Bring every thought into obedience. The obedience of Christ. But it's a noun. And what it says is you need to bring everything in and look at every thought. Every thought that you have in light of the obedience of what Jesus Christ did for us. You're not catching that yet. Yeah. You're not catching that yet. You're to bring every thought into captivity so that you only see things through what the obedience of Jesus Christ did for you and I. Hallelujah. Now my final verse is, and then I'm going to go home to my bride.
is in a chapter none of you have ever read called Romans 4 about a guy named Abraham that none of you have ever heard of before. But you know, like I said, <clears throat> when you're in the middle of stuff, you need to go where the power is. Romans 4. My God, Roman, it's got, it's, uh, for me, the best book in the book. It, it just is. I mean, yes, I love, I love all the epistles, but Romans, oh my God. Oh my God. Romans 4. Verse 16. Has God given us promises? Has he given us exceeding great and precious promises? Has he, Tina? Are you sure? You know, I know that you're sure. By the way, where is Deji anyhow? Is he backslidden? No, don't worry. I'm sorry. I know he's doing great. Romans 4, 16, Amplified Bible. <clears throat> therefore, everybody say therefore. Therefore. I may have Denise come up and dance to this. I don't know. Inheriting the promise. Any promise is the outcome of faith and depends entirely on faith. Why? In order that it might be given as an act of grace. In other words, so it's available to every single person there is. In order that it might be given as an act of grace, unmerited favor to him, so that it might be made stable and valid and guaranteed to all his descendants, not only to the devotees and the inheritance of the law, but also to those who share the faith of Abraham, who is thus the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you the father of many nations. He was appointed a father in the sight of God, in whom he believed, who gives life to the dead. God who speaks of the non-existent things that he has foretold and promised, as if they already existed. In my book in Ephesians 5, 1 says, imitate God. Imitate God, right? God who <sighs> speaks of non-existent things as if they already existed. Verse 18. For Abraham, human, human reason for hope, being gone. Human reason. Is that all you look at is human reasoning? We cannot live in Christ and only lean to our own understanding. The father of our faith, this man called Abraham, this is something, again, you can never study enough. For Abraham, human reason for hope being gone, hoped in faith that he should become the father of many nations as he had been promised. So remember, let's show your descendants B. You see, put whatever promise is that you're dealing with in that passage like my promise for the healing of my wife. Right? Right? Yes. Hoped in faith. Rod hopes in faith for his wife's total restoration. I'm hoping in faith. He can't lie. He can't lie. Verse 19, he did not weaken in faith when he looked and saw what he didn't want to see. You hear me? He did not weaken when he saw what he didn't want to see. When he considered the utter impotence of his own body. 
which was as good as dead because he was about 100 years old, or when he considered the bareness of Sarah's dead and wound, he just did not look at the circumstances and what they were saying. He didn't keep staring at what the circumstances were shouting. Verse 20, no unbelief or distrust made him wavered or doubtingly question concerning the promise of God. But here it is. How does Rod grow strong in the midst of this? How does any of us grow strong in the midst of this? We all know this verse, but we don't all know this verse. I'm going to say that again. We all know this verse, but we all don't know this verse. I said we don't all know this verse. Reading it isn't knowing it. Did you hear me? Reading this isn't knowing it. No unbelief or distress made him waver or doubtingly question concerning the promise of God, but this is, my, this is now my responsibility. But Rod will grow stronger and stronger and will be empowered by my faith as I Give praise and glory to God. As you give praise and glory to God, that's thanksgiving. As when you want to look that way, when you want to look down, when you want to get glum, when you want to get depressed, when you want to throw something up against the wall, but somehow you go deep and you find that joy. That's something that's so deep, it's beyond your ability to conjure up or imagine or try to whatever. I trust you. I trust you. I give you the praise. I give you the glory. I give you the honor. You are the oh God, you're my God, the God most high. You are the glory and the lifter of my head. You are my everything. You're not a man that you should lie. I will continue to give you praise and give you glory in the name of Jesus Christ because of verse 21. Because I am fully satisfied and assured that you are able and mighty to keep your word and to do what you have promised. Father, I just give you thanks again for this. I, I, I hope it's helped somebody as much as it helps me. I thank you, Father, in the holy name of Jesus, that you're no respecter of persons. Father, I do continue to call for true, I mean a true spirit of faith to fall upon all of our people in this fellowship. I mean a spirit of a God kind of faith. And, a, and to be, that they would be freshly baptized in the revelation of thanksgiving that they would say so over and over again, show their gratitude. They have food. They have water. We have running water. You know how many people don't have running water on the earth? We have running water. We have electricity. We have toilets. We have showers. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Forgive us, Father, for so much indulgence when we have so much. So we give you the praise. We really do give you the glory. We really do give you the honor. 
And thank you, I say this often, but I thank you. You are so patient. You are so supernaturally patient with us. You are not willing that any of us perish. So Jesus, we will continue to sing your name like they did this morning. Jesus, it's all because of what you did for us. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you for your instructions. Thank you for your truth. Amen. We believe you've really enjoyed this message. For further information, visit www.commonwealthchurch.org and feel free to join us on any Sunday 